Hello, everybody, and welcome to this week's episode of KK Side Presents. My name is Jack Gornick, and I'm a member of the Nominations Committee, and I am the immediate past North Central District President. I'm here today continuing our interview series for our Board of Trustee candidates. Uh, so I'm pleased to welcome to the KK Side Presents podcast, Melinda Mandy. Melinda, how you doing? I'm doing well. How are you, Jack? I'm doing all right. Second one of these so far. Got three more to go. So we're doing all right. Excellent. And if Eric didn't pen your way into obsolescence, then we're good. Yeah, exactly. I guess I asked for that. So uh, I'll take I'll take the I'll take either the credit or the blame, depending on which side of this you're on. So that's true leadership right there. Right. Yeah. Walk, walk the line there. Um, so if I'm guessing you've been listening to these a little bit now, so you kind of get the sense of how this is, how this is going to go. So starting off, just tell us a little about who you are, Melinda and not necessarily Dr. Matney, past national president. <laughs> sure. So um, my name is Melinda Matney, and um, I have obviously a number of roles in my past um, in, in the fraternity, but in the rest of my life, I serve as managing director for the Center for Research on Learning and Teaching at the University of Michigan. Um, somebody asked on Facebook to poorly describe what it is you do, and if I poorly describe what I do, I teach teachers of teachers how to teach. <laughs> so I work with faculty on how they teach. I work with a set of consultants who work with other faculty to um, help think through um, how, to, how to teach. And I work with university leaders about curriculum, about accreditation, and the, the variety of things that go into the decisions we make about how people um, teach and learn. Um, I have been a, a researcher of college students for my entire professional career. Uh, most of that has been at the University of Michigan. I've been here for 25 years now, which seems to have flown by to me. Um, but in my spare time, I do like volunteering with the Michigan Marching Band, um, and that, that's a great amount of fun. Um, I have been a runner, but I'm more of a biker now. And so, you know, we, we can talk about spinning classes all day. Um, and you know, we can also talk about reality TV because I, I've gotten really up to my neck in um, various cooking shows at this point. Um, but um, I, in band, I was a percussionist. So um, you know, back in the drum line, like all the problems that you see in the drum line where you're trying to figure out what it is they're doing back there. I was part of that. Um, and I also played um, flute. I played harp. Um, I played enough piano to get my music degree. Um, so, so we have all of that. Educationally, I did my um, undergraduate degree at uh, Wichita State University, um, where I went to classes with my mother. Um, she was also an undergrad at the same time. My master's degree in music is at the University of Colorado. Um, I have an education specialist degree from the University of Kansas City, Missouri, um, University of Missouri at Kansas City, excuse me, and my doctorate from the University of Michigan. I have so many follow-ups to a lot of the things that you just said, but I'll try to hit, hit the points. Uh, so cooking shows, is there any that stand out to you as your, as your go-tos? So I, I'm really a fan of the great British baking show. Um, and we're watching the uh, subsidiary show of um, Britain's best home cook right now. So um, 
there, there's something a bit more civil about those shows where um, all the com- competitors are cheering for each other and they, they really want each other to, to do well. Mm-hmm. Um, that, that just makes it deeply satisfying to, to, to see, even as you're seeing them really trying to win, but not trying to be ugly to each other um, and get, getting some great ideas for the kitchen as well. I actually feel like that lends itself pretty well to like college bands. Like you want to be the best, but you want to see other people do well too and, and contribute to a good environment here. <laughs> yeah, a- absolutely. You know, I might be one of um, five or 10 Wolverines um, standing up for the Ohio state band or the Michigan state band um, because I, I just love the tradition of band and each of them brings a different tradition than the MMB brings. Um, and they're all outstanding traditions. And I, I still get goosebumps um, watching them live. So it's just part of the fun. Nice. (laughs) So out of all the follow-up questions I could have asked, I went with the very niche cooking show. So I guess I'll talk something about more, (laughs) more, more uh, general to, to, to you. Um, So what was it like going to, to college with, with your mom? It it was a lot of fun. (laughs) Yeah, it, it was a lot of fun. So, um, um, my um, mother went back to school um, when um, um, she became a single mom. So, um, you know, a- along the way, she-, she was thinking through majors the same way anybody my age thought through them. So her resume looks like she's my age instead of her age. Um, but you know, we would um, talk through our um, math classes together. We took some math and computer science classes together Um she, she would be irritated with me that I would get my homework done um, on the commute on the way home. Um, and it took her a little longer. But the, the fun of that was that I could actually help her through her homework. So those first semesters when she was thinking, do I belong here? Should I continue with is this a stupid idea? Um, I was able to help her through through those courses. So um, she didn't give up and, and she got her bachelor's degree and she got her master's degree and, and she's done a lot of great and fun things um, a, as a result. Um, and she's met a lot to, to people's lives. Um, even now she's several years into retirement. She's still on zoning boards for the city and volunteering in all kinds of different ways because um, volunteering and leadership is just what she does. And she got a lot of extra zip for that. Um, being in school with me. And to me, what I learned from that is not to quit, that there's always one more thing to do. There's always one more way you can lead. There's always one more thing you can contribute. Um, And and so for for me, um, that was a great inspiration as far as if I thought college was hard at 18 or 19, um, somebody else is doing that and juggling three other things. And, And so I can just get it together and get through college. And, and, and so I, I think it worked out for both of us really um, revitalizing the next steps of our lives. So you just mentioned there, like for, for her, like volunteering and leadership is just what, what she does. I'm sure that's rubbed off on you a little, at least a little bit too, as now we can talk, talk about you within Kappa Kappa Psi. Uh, so can you just wa- walk your journey a little bit uh, up until where you are now? Sure. Getting on the main points. Sure. Um, at Wichita State, um, I was a member of Tau Beta Sigma. Um, I actually was told I was joining Tau Beta Sigma by my um, section leader. Um, yeah. Hi, I'm Nancy. I'm the section leader. Um, this is Krista over here, the other squad leader. We're in Tau Beta Sigma and you will be too. And 
Hi, I'm Melinda. Um, but at Top Age of Sigma at Wichita State was great. They were leaders. They, they were the people who planned pretty much everything. Um, and um, it, it was a, a great space to um, start my leadership journey. Mm-hmm. I became a TBS district president for District 5 and after redistricting the Midwest district. Um, so, so that too was interesting. That, that was um, a time that the district presidents really engaged with each other deeply for the first time, probably in our organization's history, as far as really having that national connection of district presidents. Um, Stan Fink, the national president of Kappa Kappa Psi, um, was looking for a Kappa Kappa Psi governor in 92, um, right after I finished my master's degree. And, um, you know, at at that point, obviously, I I was um, starting to do other things with my career. And he said, would you mind taking this on for a bit? Um, And I said, Sure, because he, he didn't say no to Stan Fink. Um, he, he was just that kind, gentle soul that he had this loving way of inspiring you to do whatever it was he wanted you to do. Um, and so did that for three years, was on the National Council for a couple of years, became North Central governor for eight years, mm-hmm. and rejoined the National Council as VPCM in uh, 2005. And from there served VPCM president, and then a couple of trustees. Um, and that takes us to 2019 when I retired from the trustees. So that's a, a, a nutshell. Um, the other thing I should mention, which is the thing that's been present for 20 years, which is I'm also the sponsor of the new chapter of Kappa Kappa site here at the University of Michigan. And mm-hmm. I, I could talk for days about how awesome a role that is, mm-hmm. but that, that's also been a through line in this process. Mm-hmm. Nice. So I, I knew you were a sister first, but I didn't know it was a, a jump from being an active sister to being Midwest governor of Kappa Kappa Psi. That's right. <laughs> it's such a jump. How did, uh, I mean, you answered how you get there from uh, the national president asking you to be that, be the governor. Um, but that's, that's, that's kind of wild to me. Um, so it was wild for a lot of people at, at that point too. Uh, People had a lot of feelings about that as far as, are, are you filling this role until we find a qualified guy? What's going on? Mm-hmm. Um, it's like just taking the position that Stan Fink offered me um, yeah. and doing the best that I can with that. So, yeah. So I, I guess, because that, that was, what, what, what year was that around? 92. 92, okay. So like at this point, so I, uh, I remember two or three years ago now at, NCD convention, Marie Burley, longtime NED governor, gave gave us a speech uh, for all of us, talking heavily about you as the the first the first women woman in like pretty much everything <laughs> in Kappa Kappa Psi. So I'm assuming at this point this was you as the first female governor of Kappa Kappa Psi. So, that's what I understand. Yes, yeah, that, that's right. So what what was what was that like transitioning into the first ever in I guess, any of these roles that you've been in compared to the history of men? I mean, obviously, the the only experience I know is my own. So I don't know what it's like to be a man in any of these roles, you know, just as the experience of it. Um, I I will say it's one of the things that uh, people forget when they are not the only one in that space is, for example, people look at the National Council right now and they see a co-ed council. Mm-hmm. 
when um, Jess Lee looks at a room, she sees a single sex room because it's her and all the guys, mm-hmm. but she's just seeing all the guys. Um, throughout the, the process, um, one of the things that was interesting is all the ways that we make little assumptions about how we talk about how to do this or how to do that. Um, even something stupid like, um, what's the dress code for tonight? Um, you know, for, for a guy, suit and tie is just something that you, you rattle that off. You, you know exactly where you're going to, but they would say, and for you, Melinda, oh, okay, guys, don't, don't, don't even try to approximate my outfit. You know, you tell me what you're wearing. I'll, I'll comport to that. But even little things like that, where you have to check yourself as far as the assumptions, as far as, um, you know, what, what's available to me, what knowledge is available, you know, what, what happens on break times. Um, and, and I, it's a powerful set of knowledge that I carry with me now, as we think about, um, DEI work about, um, equity across, um, all of our environments, because we're, we're constantly having to think about what are the assumptions we're making in our language that are excluding somebody or not recognizing that somebody is in that space. Mm-hmm. Um, so ha- having that powerful set of how people reacted to me, how they felt about me, how, how awkward it, it was for them at first until we could talk through what was more inclusive. Mm-hmm. Um, that made a huge difference. Um, again, I don't know what it's like to, to be a man going through all, all, all of these roles, uh, other than that you're not saying also, and I'm the first. Um, I mean, I, one of the things about being president in that in that way is I knew immediately, you know, there are some presidents that make more history than others. I knew immediately I made history. Um, my focus through the rest of my presidency was to um, do something more, not that it wasn't an achievement, but to do something more so that I, I could say, and, and these are the things that I did while I was president. So it just simply wasn't a matter of demographics that made me historical, but also um, what I added to Kappa Kappa Psi. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So I guess let's, let's jump ahead a little bit now, because you touched on some of these issues of, of DEI. So looking at, at the board, like what, what, what do you think is the role of the board of trustees or as you, as a member of the board of trustees in making Kappa Kappa Psi a more equitable and inclusive place? So, and I think there, there are a few roles. Um, so w- one of the areas that obviously the, the trustees um, examine is, is the area of um, um, policy. You know, what, what are policies looking like? How equitable are they? Mm-hmm. But I, I do think that we need to get beyond policy and really examine all the various ways, not just that um, we are excluding people or being obviously discriminatory, but ways in which um, we're not actively including people. So I I look, for example, at our national curricula. Um, We've built a lot of great elements of the road to wisdom. Part of my actual professional work now um, is working with our DEI team that works on what we call equity-focused teaching, Mm -hmm. which is really thinking about all the ways that we bring everybody to the table in the classroom, ways that we make um, the content of what we do, the, the ways in which we deliver our teaching more inclusive and, and more uplifting of everybody in the room. So not thinking about people having deficits or people being ahead of the game, but rather 
how do we build on what everybody in the room brings? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that's something that we can easily um, bring to, to the board because the, the board doesn't do the day-to-day of um, you know, curriculum unfolding, but we do have a, a, a very strong review that, excuse me, review role with that. Mm-hmm. Try saying the review role three times fast. Uh, we, we do have that, that role. Um, we also have a role in thinking about um, the, the um, opportunities ahead and, and, and the threats that uh, present themselves to Kappa Kappa Psi. Um, and in, in terms of thinking about this in a DEI lens, um, one of the areas we, we need to think about is how we're equipping college bands to um, better recruit from across the uh, array of identities that, that are out there. And, and then um, really um, provide an atmosphere that people want to stay, want to participate, that um, I, identities um, are celebrated in, in that space. I mean, the, there's been a quite a long time that um, many bands were all white or all male. Um, we, we want to um, be more expansive. And clearly the HBCUs are one area um, where um, identities are celebrated and where there's a specific focus on black identity and all the different ways that that unfolds. Um, and part of my study of higher education over 25 years has actually examined HBCUs and how they built that and, and how that, that comes to be. Um, but we also need to think beyond that in terms of how that affects PWIs, um, our um, um, HSIs, all the different other kinds of institutions where um, we want to bring pe- different people together to enjoy band and, and to really deliver band music. Um, the trustees at its heart look for um, opportunities um, try, try to guard against um, threats against the fraternity and also are the biggest recruiters of money, of relationships. And, and those are the things that, that we can bring to the DEI conversation. So you, you mentioned a little bit about how your professional work contributes to working with DEI and how that can contribute to the board. Can you talk a little bit about uh, some of your other, uh, other professional work and how that uh contributed itself to uh, being a member of the Board of Trustees? Absolutely. So a, a couple of key areas that, that I would um, mention here. Um, one is that I work with university leaders to um, think every day about how to make change happen. Mm-hmm. So when you're changing curriculum, when you're changing um, who leads an academic department, when you are thinking about um, reinforcing uh, DEI principles even, mm-hmm. um, you're, you're leading strategic change, um, oftentimes with a, a group of people who think that what we're doing right now is just fine um, and, and that we don't need to examine it further. Um, so I've garnered even more skills in that, that um, in, in part, my skills in that came from um, the work I did in strategic planning and Kappa Kappa Psi. So it kind of comes full circle that Kappa Kappa Psi has infused my professional career. My professional career can infuse this work. Um, one of the other roles I have in my profession. So we talk about university accreditation. Um, universities have to be accredited by some, some agency every 10 years um, to demonstrate that um, students are getting what it is that the universities um, advertise, 
that um, universities are advertising something they can deliver and that they have the resources to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm not only part of our central team at the University of Michigan to make sure we stay accredited, but I'm one of the reviewers that goes to other schools to um, examine them to see if they should continue being accredited and where their strengths and weaknesses are. Mm-hmm. So I spent a lot of time looking at other other schools as well. Um, for me, accreditation and university governance is kind of like um, what the sports pages might be for somebody else as far as, ooh, that's really interesting. What's going on here? Um, but yeah, how it, it, it's, <laughs> yeah it, it really is. Let, let's, let's see how all these relationships with all these concepts are, are, are doing. And, and, and so um, that, that also infuses our, our work um, as a board of trustees. So for example, when we see that something's shaky on a campus, not, not necessarily chapter shaky, just that the campus is shaky. We, we can think through, are, are there things we can do from the college band perspective, things, things we can uh, help with our chapter to, to help infuse that campus. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, that's been a conversation both for our existing chapters as well as where we should be. You know, sometimes uh, campuses apply and perhaps the campus is kind of on shaky ground at that point. And we can bring that to that conversation, too. Um, but, yeah, uh, that that sort of governance piece actually is really fun for me. And, and that's something that is different about me from pretty much everybody else who's on the trustees right now. Uh, they, they come from different backgrounds as far as finance or student life, um, uh, K-12 teaching. But that university governance piece is, is something that is pretty unique to me. Mm-hmm. So having talked a lot about strategic planning, both on the university side and on the Kappa Kappa size side, can you talk about some of the, the things that you have, you have done as part of the board that uh, perhaps is part of the strategic planning or other things in, in terms of uh, governing and protecting the sanctity of Kappa Kappa Psi? Absolutely. So, um, we, we talked about um, the opportunities and the threats, um, and I've, I've been in both of those spaces um, pretty deeply. Um, when I was national president, we had um, a, a couple of large threats um, in, in terms of um, major um, hazing allegations that we had to work through, um, both in, in terms of um, what was going on at the school and how that affected the fraternity. and. Um, thinking through how we educate our members, how we educate directors, um, which has led to a path of um, working with CBDNA every year uh, with their directors. Um, all of that ha- has been an important part of the strategic planning that that we did when I was president. And that led to some, some work as far as um, creating leadership symposia, creating better risk management education, mm-hmm. and, and that sort of thing. So addressing a threat, um, and that's an example. Um, in terms of addressing um, an opportunity, I had the opportunity during my time as um, a member of the trustees to lead the capital campaign. Mm-hmm. And, and so uh, getting to um, work on what exceeded a $1.4 million campaign is pretty, pretty amazing considering that we had not really raised money up beyond like maybe a hundred thousand dollars before. I mean, it, it, the, the stretch of a hundred thousand to 1.4 million um, it, it is, is pretty remarkable. And actually we had increased that amount. We'd started with a $1 million campaign and then it's like, 
uh, we can do a little bit more. This is looking really promising. Let's up the goal. Um, that, that was really empowering in terms of not just bringing resources to the fraternity that will continue to roll in over the next years, but really thinking about building um, a culture of gratitude. Because one of the things we discovered along the way was that um, we really didn't have that culture of gratitude where we, we said, thank you for this gift, or thank you, Jack, for taking all this time for the nominations committee, or you know, thank you for the, the various gifts of time, of talent, of money that um, people give to Kappa Kappa Psi. Mm-hmm. Um, you, know, you, you would think, you know, so much of our work is in service that 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 would be inherent, but some sometimes we can forget something like that. So, you know, the capital campaign over one point four million dollars, but also um, I, I would argue um, as much value in terms of building more gratitude in the fraternity. Awesome, and I know Eric had talked a little bit about the the capital campaign too. So if people have listened to that, you get a, a you get a little bit of double understanding of uh <laughs> of, of what was going on there. Um, so last last NatCon, you 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 mentioned this earlier, but you you stepped away from the board in 2019 at NatCon. So wh- what is what has led you now to uh, essentially come out of retirement <laughs> and running for the board again? This by this next two bienniums. Yeah, I've gotten that question from a lot of people. Sort of, oh, so you're coming out of retirement now? Um, and, and it has that feeling of mothballs, even though I I didn't feel retired. Um, I was still a, a sponsor and um, still volunteering for. I, I was asked to volunteer, um, but when I uh, stepped away from the board in 2019. Um, it, it was a very intentional stepping away, um, thinking about the fact that most typically um, we have an immediate past president who might be running for his or her um, first term on, on the board. Um, and that was Jack Lee. Um, there were two spots. There, there was me finishing a term. There was Adam Cantley who was finishing his first term on the board. And then uh, the potential for Jack. And so part of that was wanting to maintain a pattern of um, having somebody step away so another person can uh, join the board um, and uh, exert, you know, what ideas that in in this case um, he has. Um, The other part of that was I had just stepped into a part of my career that was a little busier. Um, and I, I was kind of hoping for a moment that had a little less travel, um, a, a little less of that busyness out there so, so that I, I could really dive deeply, um, particularly as I was um, getting into the work that would eventually become being managing director um, at, at the University of Michigan CRLT. Um, the joke was on me as far as slowing down travel. Um, as it turns out, everybody's travel was slowed down. Um, <laughs> you know, but but the other thing too is, is that um, I, I really appreciate and um, wallow, in, it, for lack of a better word, in spaces that talk about the policy and about how we support the council, how we support the broader national fraternity, um, and. This pandemic has shown me spaces where um, our universities are uniquely struggling and I'm in that work with them all the time. Um, and I, I think that that's a set of work as far as 
working to help lead a university into virtual learning, back into in-person and thinking along the way about all the steps that happen um, across the university and also specifically for our band program. So um, the, the first class I actually took on in terms of thinking about the virtual components was the Michigan Marching Band um, and how we do virtual band and how we uh, keep up the tradition and how we keep building up leadership and that sort of thing. Um, but those involvements at the university level are, are something that I feel strongly need to be represented on, on the board of trustees. Um, and I personally enjoy um, working on issues such as that. Um, so I, I, I thought it, it, it was an area where I could contribute, where I had new energy to contribute because this is, this is something new that I've been doing now. It's, it's not going back and doing the same trustee thing because we can't just do the same trustee thing. We're in a new space. Um, and, and, and this, this, this is what I could add. Um, I, I also felt strongly about that as a sponsor, since we don't have um, any other sponsors uh, on the trustees that um, this, uh, this is an area where uh, sometimes we make assumptions about what sponsors can do. So our pivot document talks about, um, you know, sponsors just need to attend everything. Um, and pretty much every person, you know, every faculty member, director, sponsor, student um, is pretty exhausted right now. So, so thinking about how we word things in, in ways that don't just say, you all just need to do more uh, to, to think about what are the essential things that are going to strengthen our chapters, that are going to strengthen our bands. And, and to think about that from um, my role, you know, supporting faculty, being a faculty member myself, because I also teach. And so, you know, I'm delivering all this virtual or in-person instruction in the same way I'm coaching. And um, how we coach our students to be the best leaders they can through all of this. Um, so as you can tell, I'm a little bit fired up about that. But um, it, it, if, if I were just coming back just because I wanted the title of trustee, um, uh, that, that would be short and boring and probably not worth anybody's time. But you know, I'm, I'm really excited about what there is to do now of, of the work of the trustees. So you, you kind of, you get, give a, segue here that I wasn't expecting because we kind of went out of order of what I was looking to do, but you answered a lot of what I was about to just ask. And like, as a member of the board of trustees, how, how do we move forward to a post COVID world? And I think you talked a lot about that in terms of how your professional experience lays into that, but is there anything else that you'd wanted, wanted to add uh, in terms of how the board of trustees is going to help uh, Kappa Kappa side moving forward? A absolutely. Um, I mentioned relationships um, a little while ago because um, a, a board of trustees um, also brings all the relationships that they have. Mm -hmm. um, and I've built a great number of relationships um, with many directors across the nation. Um, Tony Falcone and I have been um, working with CBDNA over the last decade now at the athletic band conferences to initially it was about just focusing on risk management and why hazing is bad. Um, but it's expanded to um, how to coach leadership and how to help students transition through all of this and helping um, directors understand um, where the leadership is going as far as um, pivot documents and road to wisdom um, and also listening to directors. So we're not just 
you know, coaching the directors, but we're listening to a lot of directors when they're coming up to us at those conferences. And it's kind of like um, doing our own mini consultations in the moment where they're saying, I have this little issue here. Can, can I walk through this with you? And, And so bringing all of those relationships because it it is a great group of directors across the country who really deeply care about the music and they care about the artistry and they care about the students. Mm -hmm. Um, but they don't, their, their work life is in the music and the artistry and the students. It's not in Kappa Kappa Psi. Um, we can bring those relationships in so that they're informing the work of the trustees and through, through that informing our policy and, helping us think about DEI efforts that we need to lead our directors through. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's a two-way street that that really helps us substantially. And that's a, a set of relationships I also bring. Awesome. So I guess the last real, real question that I'll ask you, like, is there any, are there any other topics or issues or goals from your platform that you would like to talk about in regards to the board of trustees? So, I, I can never um, overemphasize the um, place that college band has um, for a student as far as um, for an individual student thinking about the artistry and, you know, learning something new that that you wouldn't have been led to, to learn otherwise. Um, being bonded with a, another group of people who are um, as excited about music as you are and as excited you know, perhaps the music brought you to the band, perhaps cheering on the team brought you to the band, but you got to the band. And because you got to the band, you've got a group of people who are going to help you um, get to graduation and who are going to help you get to higher goals in life because that's the way band people roll. Mm-hmm. Um, as a collective band, um, college band really moves the culture of the institution. Um, both in how students behave and in the music itself. Um, the music itself seems like pretty self-evident. Like you go to the University of Michigan campus, you know you're at the University of Michigan campus because somewhere like within the first five minutes, you're going to hear the victors, undoubtedly. Um, I, you know, I go to the Ohio State campus. I I hear uh, their key songs. I might hear, um, you know, you know the, you know, any number of things uh, going on there. Um, we go to any other campus. Um, it, it, it could be um, smaller campuses, larger campuses, whatever type of campus that the band moves the culture. The band is what people came to see. And then also some football, um, you know, may, maybe another sport. I mean, Wichita State doesn't even have football anymore. They still have bands um, and, you know, band, bands endure. Um, for the, the students, is, it's going to be critical to have, have that point of connection as we, we get back to campus because um, students have been resting without like any particular kind of connection on many campuses because they've been distanced. You know, perhaps they've lived in, in their college town, perhaps with their parents. Um, but it, it's going to be so important to um, keep our bands up. And right now, uh, colleges and universities are making a lot of hard choices about money because um, this has been a financially hard moment in, in the lives of every institution. And probably it's going to be financially hard for the next three to five years. Um, it, it's Many institutions will not be at break even for another few years. So they're thinking about what to cut. 
we need to be able to make the case that college band is not the thing to cut. The college band is actually the thing that's going to help save your college. Um, and, and to the extent that we can do that across the number of different types of uh, institutions, um, I can't think of a type of institution where that's just not true. Um, that, you know, band is important. Band is culturally at center. Um, and I want to mention one more thing about the students, too, because um, students in college bands dictate how people behave on campus. It, I mean, it's, it seems weird, but people look at college band students as an example. You know, they, they see college band students in, in their shirts or their jackets or whatever they're wearing, and, and they make decisions about, oh, that's what it is to be a leader on, on this campus based on looking at those students. Mm-hmm. And, and so the extent to which we can help elevate the leadership of Kappa Kappa Psi, because we lead the college band, the college band leads the campus. So we have work to do to lead our campuses and um, how it is that we're going to live after this pandemic. And I, I think our students are up to the challenge and our trustees are up to supporting them. I think that actually ties back into one of the first things that you said, where your professional work is you know, like teaching teachers how to teach well or teach, yes. how to teach or whatever it is. Uh, that is, I think that's paralleled perfectly in, in Kappa Kappa Psi. We're, we're leading band leaders, how to lead bands, how, and now you're connecting it to lead universities. <laughs> that's exactly it. Mm-hmm. That's exactly it. You know, our, our college band students um, have the behavior, they have the leadership, they have the spirit, they have the can do. I mean, what more do you want out of the leaders of your campus? <laughs> right, exactly. All right. Well, thank you for giving all of your very serious answers to everything that we've talked about so far. Uh, I just want to, as we've, as you've seen with, with Eric's interview, uh, I want to finish in a fairly lighthearted manner. Uh, it's not dad jokes. Don't worry. Uh, but I, I try to create a segment that's, that's unique to, to each of you. Uh, so yeah, for Eric, it was dad jokes for, for you. I figured it'd be Michigan themed. All right. Very good. Okay. So I'm going to give you a, a few statements about Michigan, the, the state and the university, and then give you a chance to react uh, and say if it's, if it's accurate or not. Sound good? I can't wait to hear this. <laughs> okay. So I actually changed the order of this based on things that you've said already. Um, as someone from the University of Michigan, the only time to root for Michigan State is when they're playing Ohio State. I would say false. I'll, I'll, I'll root for Michigan State when, when they're playing other conferences as well. Um, you know, but you know, de- definitely, um, yeah, it's it's a s- selected moment when, when you're rooting for uh, Michigan State. Yeah. I feel like this is also a little little biased when you're looking at it through the or from like band people too. Mm-hmm. Talked earlier, like you're you're kind of root for other bands to do well. That's right. You don't, you don't look, you don't want to see another band fail. You might want to see their team not do well against your team, but it's different. All right. You know, you're in Michigan when a left turn is just way too complicated. Oh, that, that is absolutely true. <laughs> yeah. Uh, another driving one. So, you know, you're in Michigan when driving is actually easier in the winter because all the potholes are filled with snow. Uh, amen. That. <laughs> Absolutely. And, and you discover uh, more potholes after the winter. And you also discover where the snow plows moved all the park benches and stuff. That, that's always a, a special moment. Wow. <laughs> hey, you know, you're from Michigan when you get a little too emotional hearing Tim Allen talk about pure Michigan. 
it, it, it's actually more hilarious. The number, like when, when you go somewhere else, it's like, why is one of our commercials on TV in Kansas? Yeah. What, what is that? It, it, it seems a little disorienting, but um, there actually are so many parody um, pure Michigan um, memes up here that, that you, you could keep yourself entertained all day. Gotcha. Yeah. Cause I, I get a bunch in, in Illinois wanting me to, wanting me to go to Michigan. So I guess it makes <laughs> sense that people in Michigan are like, I'm, I'm already here. <laughs> it, it, that, that, that's right. When you, when you get a tourist ad for pure Michigan that um, uh, is talking about um, state street and our nickels are arboretum and, and such. And it's like, yeah, you know, that's on campus. I would like to leave for vacation. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> All right. You, you know, you're in Michigan when you ask for a soda and everyone just stares at you. Oh, that is uh, completely true. Yeah. Don't completely. call it soda. because I, I use, I use the word soda and, and, and people, uh, you mean pop? <laughs> yeah. Got to Got to get it, get the right, right terminology. <laughs> All right. Just two more. So I don't, I don't know if, are you, are you a, a big coffee drinker? Are you? No, actually not. Okay. Just uh, make, make a I, I, I drink tea more than coffee. Okay. Cause I was going to ask you to, to rank the following, uh, like big B's, Tim Hortons, Starbucks, and Duncan, like the big four brands of coffee in, in Michigan. Oh, I, 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 I can do that anyway. So, um, Tim Horton, definitely number one, uh, got to get the 10 bits. Um, it just, it, I mean, that's just a food group. Um, I, I would go with Big B number two. They, they, they have some some lovely teas and, and pastries. Um, Starbucks number three, Duncan if you have to. Okay. Um, but, you know, you know, occasionally they have a nice sandwich. But um, Tim Hortons is definitely number one. I mean, it, Michigan really is just um, one more province of Canada in many respects. And, and so you got to love the Tim Hortons. Oh, yeah, because you're, you're, I mean, Detroit's right across from, from Canada. Take a yeah, right actually, up north to like lots of different connections. Yeah, actually, actually, Ann Arbor is slightly north of part of Canada. So, you know, yeah. if when you leave Detroit to go to Canada, you're actually driving south, mm. um, which, which just disorients people to all extents. Mm-hmm. All right, and this, this last one just says Meyer. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, Meyer truly is that. Um, you know, wh- whatever it is, it, it is in Meyer, um, and you probably need to um, send little pings from your iPhone as to where you're at, so that people can rescue you in three days because those places are so big. <laughs> gotcha, gotcha. All right, well, Melinda, thank you for for being here today, and thank you for everything that you've done for this fraternity so far, and are continuing to to work towards again. Um, yeah. Next week, I believe we'll continue with our uh, v- uh, VPSA uh, interviews with, with Will Johnston. But until then, uh, thank you all for listening to KKSI Presents. Thank you.